Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. I'm Allison Langer, and this is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn a little bit about how to write your own stories. I'm Andrea Askowitz. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. There's no place in the world like writing class, and we want to bring you in. On this episode, we're talking about details and how even just one very specific detail can make a story great. It's funny because some people think, well, I, I mean, I almost might say most people think that if they get too detailed, the reader or the listener will get bored. But often in writing, we need those details because they bring us into the world of whatever the person's writing about. We may not know anything about their world, but as soon as we hear these details, we trust the narrator. We also become super engaged and hooked. Like, oh my God, we're learning about this whole new world and we want to know more. So be specific. The more specific, the more universal. I realize we're being vague right there, um, but we're doing it on purpose because we want to make a case that the devil is in the details, which is the title of this episode. We're going to make that case by bringing you a story by Anessa Freilichman. She is a feng shui expert, speaker, spiritual counselor, and author. Anessa is also a former student of Writing Class Radio. She was big in season one. On episode four, we followed her to a fertility clinic so she could bank her eggs. Anessa still pops in to take writing classes with us, and we always love having her back. We loved Anessa's story as a whole, but there's one specific detail she included in there that really drew us in. And I don't want to tell you what it is, but I want you to listen for it. Anessa's story was originally published in the February 2019 issue of Yoga Journal. Back after the break. We're back. This is Allison, and you're listening to Writing Class Radio. Today's episode is about details. Here's Anessa with her story. I tried 40 days of yoga, meditating, and chanting at 4 a.m. every morning. Here's what happened. One early morning last November, my doorman, Jose, who usually says it like it is, took one look at me and said, what happened to you? You used to look sexy. Now you look like you never sleep anymore. His statement stung. I wanted to say, well, I don't sleep anymore. Not since I started sadhana, but then I'd have to explain what sadhana meant and why do I have to justify how I look? So I said nothing, but it was true. I was barely sleeping and the dark circles under my eyes, chronic yawning, and 10 extra pounds I'd put on in a matter of just a few weeks were all byproducts of my commitment to complete 40 days of Kundalini Aquarian morning sadhana. For about a year prior to starting sadhana, which involves two and a half hours of yoga, meditation, and chanting starting at 4 a.m. for 40 days, I'd seen Facebook ads for it. Several friends swore by its benefits, and I'd read many articles about its transformative powers, such as increased energy, mental clarity, and a plethora of blessings. 
Many spiritual paths have a practice of getting up before sunrise to pray. That special time is called Amrit Vela, which translates as the nectar of God. When you give two and a half hours to a spiritual source, your entire day is covered with blessings. And who doesn't want more blessings? For years, I've been trying to finish writing a book, create an online program, and get into shape. But I lacked self-commitment and follow-through. In Sanskrit, sadhana literally means accomplishing something. I wanted to strengthen my commitment to both my spiritual practice and word to myself. I've never been an early riser, so I told myself if I can wake up at 3 a.m. for the divine, I can do anything. For the next 40 days, I woke up at 3 a.m., put on my white clothes and head covering, and drove to a yoga studio where I practiced yoga, sang songs to my soul, and chanted Aquarian mantras. I tried to go to sleep each night no later than 8 p.m. to attempt at least five or six hours of shut-eye. But no matter how many hot baths I took, chamomile teas I drank, or minutes I spent breathing through my left nostril to relax, I couldn't fall asleep until it was time to wake up again. For the first week, I was very enthusiastic and surprised by how little sleep I needed to function. But then... Somewhere around day 8, I came home after sadhana and passed out until noon, which only messed up my circadian rhythm further. As my levels of exhaustion increased, so did my weight. I wondered how the other yogis in the room were doing it. Some of them were on day 50, 60, 90, and even 240. I was assured that if I could get enough sleep, I would be okay. Somewhere around day 20, my very traditional Russian father called to tell me that he and my mother were worried. They'd recently seen photos of me on Facebook and asked why I looked so exhausted, bloated, and pale. I was too tired to explain that I'd signed up for a sacred practice meant to elevate my soul. Instead, I tagged him on the Facebook Live Sadhana page so he could see what I was up to. The following night, he called me and said, your mother and I saw the video. Are you in cult? All those people in white look like mental patients. Was I really back here again, having another conversation like this with my parents? Some 10 years ago, I came out of the closet as a feng shui consultant. My parents wished it was just a phase, lied to their friends that I was an interior designer, and insisted that spirituality is for people that don't want to work. On day 30, I went to see a medical intuitive who told me that I was suffering from liver insomnia and severe adrenal fatigue. I had no idea that our livers wake up around 4 a.m., which meant that when I was getting up to do yoga so early, it was really hard on my liver. I already had mild symptoms of adrenal fatigue before starting sadhana and didn't know that feeling wired and tired were the hallmarks of that condition. I reached out to a friend who's a kundalini yoga instructor to tell her that I was going to quit because I couldn't take it anymore and she urged me not to. She said, everything that's coming up for you is coming up for healing and clearing. Translation for spiritual neophytes, 
your moodiness, liver issues, obsession with weight, and needing other people's approval was probably always there, and now you're ready to deal with it. I thought I dealt with all that years ago, at least the obsession with weight and needing others' approval. But the onion has many layers, and maybe Sadna was fast-tracking the peeling of mine. I pushed through because that's what I do. I began to wonder if I'm just a masochist and maybe what I really need is to get back into therapy. Then I reminded myself that I am a therapist. In fact, I'm, a, I'm actually a spiritual psychotherapist and should know by now if something is good for me. The experience wasn't all negative. At the end of the 40 days, a few positive things happened. First, I felt satisfied that I was able to finish what I started. Next, I finally got a good night's rest. I had spent hundreds of dollars on herbal tinctures and vitamins meant to restore my liver and adrenals. And months later, they're getting healthy again. Then a few small blessings arrived. I found an incredible illustrator for my book. And a week later, two of the wellness hotels in Miami Beach, where I really wanted to teach, finally came through with proposals. I don't think we as a culture are equipped to support someone embarking on a 40-day adventure that may cause little or no sleep, especially if that someone has lots of responsibilities. I think it would have been easier and I could have treated the practice with more reverence had I been on retreat or on an ashram somewhere, but we don't all have the luxury of going away for a month. I know I don't. 40 days of little sleep would be hard on anyone, regardless of the spiritual path they were on. I wish the Facebook ads would have advised checking your adrenals before starting sadhana. I wish my friends had said, make sure your life supports the crazy sleep schedule. And I wish the articles promoting sadhana advise listening to your body. If you feel like it's getting to be too much, don't be like me and turn to this all too common default. Exhaustion? Oh, it's probably just my negative mind trying to sabotage me. There's nothing enlightened about wearing yourself down to become more spiritual. I love, love, love how much this narrator knows herself. So true. When she says, I thought I dealt with all that years ago, at least the obsession with weight and needing others' approval, but then Onion has so many layers, and maybe Sedona was fast-tracking the peeling of mine. I'm like, yes. That is like, she took an old cliche and spun it anew. So impressive. Can we just talk for a second about her dad's voice? I love hearing her parents' voices in a story. She is a master at accent. And um, she doesn't just do the accent really cleverly. She also uses what her dad says. Like he says that cult thing and and all the people in white look like they're in a mental hospital. It's so funny. And that is a really excellent storytelling device, which is called a callback. And it's like very satisfying for the listener or the reader because we already know that everyone's wearing white and then the dad brings it up and like makes fun of it in his way. I love that because then I'm like, yay, I paid attention in the right spot. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's true. I think that's what call why callbacks are so satisfying. They make us feel like, ooh, we're in. Yeah. I love knowing her challenges right at the top. So she she tells us the details. She says she's been trying to finish a book, create an online program, and get in shape. Knowing those details explains why she would go through all this craziness. You know, she's coming from a place of struggle, not advice. So now we're pulling for her, you know? Yeah, and then she says she wants to get loads of blessings. I mean, yeah, like who doesn't? She's a master. She's a master at interjecting humor in just these places where you're like, yeah, yeah, rah, rah, and then bam. So we're satisfied when a few small blessings arrive. We're like, yay! I mean, it's funny. It's like she's telling and then she's joking and that it's just funny. I think humor in a piece is always just, I don't know, it lightens it up a little bit. It gives a little bit more of the personality. So she could say I'm a funny person, but she's showing us. So it's cool. Um, Again, it's self-knowing. She's kind of making fun of herself. Yeah, and she's like, if I can wake up at 3 a.m. for the divine, I can accomplish anything. So (laughs) it's so funny. Okay, but before I forget, I just want to say that part about how she's trying when she can't sleep, she tries warm baths and chamomile tea. So she doesn't just say, I can't sleep and I tried everything. She tells us specifically, I tried a warm bath and chamomile tea. She doesn't say mint tea or passion fruit tea because chamomile is what people use for like healing and relaxation. So she's showing us that she knows her shit. Then Anessa gives us the mother of all details. She says she tried breathing through her left nostril. I love that. Yeah. She didn't just say I was breathing through my nose. She gives us this specific detail that tells us everything about where she is and who she is. In in writing class, we always say details matter. We actually have a slogan, like what? And that slogan we use, and sometimes we write it, we, we have people write it on their wrists, like what? And that slogan is there to remind us to be very, very specific, to ask ourselves, like what, whenever we're giving it a detail. And what's so cool is that there's a picture on our, on our website. It's a picture of a wrist, and it's Anessa, and it says, like what? Oh, my God, that was season one. Yeah. yeah. That was more than three years ago. Damn. So Anessa is our like what details poster child. Details help bring us into a world we may know nothing about. Those details help us trust the narrator. So even if you've never done that breathing exercise, I, I've done it before, like in yeah, yoga, where like, like with your p- yeah, like pinky yeah. on right nostril, in inhale, and then yeah. and then you put your I know they always talk like together, that. and I try yeah, and then you put your thumb on your other nostril and you exhale. So she, even if you've never done that, I think the reader listener gets the sense that there's something very yoga specific going on here. And that helps us trust the narrator. It helps us. We know that she knows what she's talking about. We're with her. Details also help us engage. They help us get hooked. It's so much better to be specific, very specific than to be vague. Let's say that I was writing a story about Anessa and I said, my friend Anessa is woo-woo. That doesn't really say anything. Right. It would say so much more if I said, my friend Anessa woke up at three in the morning for 40 days so that she could get to her four o'clock chanting yoga two and a half hour practice dressed in all white and to try to fall asleep the night before she would breathe out of her left nostril 
Those details tell you so much more about Anessa. When the narrator gives specific, specific details, we're drawn in and we relate. The more specific, the more universal. It's so counterintuitive. It, yeah, because it might not be that I'm going to get up at, at 4 a.m. to do all this yoga stuff, but maybe I have in the past, you know, gotten up for a specific reason or a challenge. No, you. it's not that you've ever gotten up in the past, but because she's giving us these specific examples of her own challenge, what we're getting is people want to improve themselves. I think that's the core universal part. She's doing this for improvement. I think it's two things. Okay. I agree with you. I think it's, yes, we've all done things we want to improve on. But immediately when she's going to talk about this challenge and either she's going to be successful or she's going to fail at her, she's going to have struggles, I'm going to start thinking about like all the things I've tried that I've either gotten up for to better myself or just a challenge for myself. I think that naturally happens. We all think about, oh, did I ever do that? But I do think that even if you've never woken up at 3 a.m. to get your and put on all white to get to your 4 a.m. chanting meditation, a good story well told still resonates on some human level every time. And I think in this case, it's not really the details about what she did. The details help us get to her humanity. It's not important whether or not we woke up and, and did this challenge. Though, have you? Would you? I would not do this for yoga. No, but I've tried to meditate, like wake up 30 minutes early and I tried to meditate. And I, yeah, I don't know. I didn't really see a difference. I'm sure I did it wrong. I got bored. I had started. Did you wake up at 3 a.m. or even Fuck 4? No. Right. No. <laughs> right. I would never wake up at 3 a.m. No. No, no, no. I've done. I mean, would you? No, 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 no. I love sleeping. I do. I love. <laughs> no, 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 no. I would not wake up for any reason. When did you, when you were training for your marathon, you got up early though, right? Yeah, but you know, seven okay. is early for yeah. me. Really early. Okay, well, we could talk all day about our stupid challenges that we've tried and failed at, but you don't have to be a yogi or be trying to finish a book to sympathize or understand a person who tries to better herself. So she did a great job. She did a great job of bringing us into her world by using really specific details. Whew, and I feel like I've gone through 40 days of sadhana now, and I'm a little tired. Blessings. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Anessa, for sharing your story. So if you're interested in getting something published, stay tuned. We will be interviewing Aaron Carr on our next episode. Aaron is the editor over at Ravishly, an online publication. So check it out. Stay tuned. Hey, Writing Class Radio listener, we want your stories. Send us your best true personal essay. We pay between $50 and $100. Go to our website, writingclassradio.com, hit the submissions tab for our guidelines. Then, before you submit, listen to a bunch of our episodes to get a sense of what we air. Being familiar with the style and content will up your chances of getting published in any publication. Writing Class Radio is produced by Virginia Laura, Andrea Askwitz, and me, Allison Langer. Theme music by Justina Chandler. Additional music by Poddington Bear. Writing Class Radio is sponsored by The Launchpad at the University of Miami. This episode is also sponsored by the podcast Made Visible, which brings invisible illness to light. If you're looking for more instruction, check out our three-part series for sale on our website, writingclassradio.com. You'll also find the stories we study and editing and publishing resources. Contact us at info at writingclassradio.com. Don't forget about the April 2019 special where you can get two videos for the price of one, just $40. If you love this show and enjoy all the extras on our website, 
hit the support us button. A new episode will drop every other Wednesday, so look for us. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? Do you get off when you demean me? Oh, you're so creepy. You're so creepy. She also wanted loads of blessings. I mean, who doesn't? But be more excited about yeah. it. No, because it's a, that's. She also wanted loads of blessings. I wouldn't say it like that. I would say she how also. Would you say it? She also wanted loads of blessings. That's important. I mean, who doesn't? That's but the, how but I the say thing it. Is that if you say it's, who I'm making fun then why of her. Are we even mentioning it? Because it's a. F- you guys, it's a joke. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at averyrich.com.